we can go back and play the game we played last week. Just a moment. Name that tune. You may be familiar that we are preaching about the songs of Christmas. Some uh, artists you may have never heard about. Some songs you may have never heard. And last week you did a great job in naming the tune. So let me uh, get our guys just to play a little bit. And if you can name the tune, then uh, please do that. Let's start with our first song if we could. City sidewalks, busy sidewalks. Silver Bells. Okay, you guys are a little slower than last week. Maybe it threw you off a little bit that the artist there is is Saran, all right? Saran, excuse me, I got that right. Now, this one may be a little bit harder. Listen and see who can get this one. Anybody know who that one is? Jesus, what a wonderful child. You guys are sharp. You get a free pass to Sunday school this week, all right? Okay, let's go one more song. See if you can catch it. You can count on me. Don't you love that one? What's that song? Anybody can guess the artist's name? David Archuleta from American Idol. Anybody get that? You get a free lesson on romance from Dick Thompson. All right. Well, here we go. Sometimes songs are hard to pick because we're not real familiar with the words. Or or sometimes they're hard to know because we're not familiar with the artist. And the song we look at today is called Simeon's Song. Someone's asked me this morning, how how do you preach on this? Because there's so little about Simeon. We meet him one time and then he leaves the pages of scripture. But in the middle of this, he writes a song. Now, let me say this about Simeon. Simeon had a bucket list. Everybody know what a bucket list is? It's the things that you want to do before you die. It's the things you want to do before you what? Kick the bucket. All right. And some of us have some things on that. I know one on my list would be, I want to go skydiving at some point. Anybody else want that? Maybe some of you on your list is you want to go to some remote country or maybe you want to meet some famous person or maybe you just want to stay awake for a whole service in church. But, but, but you've got your list. Now, Simeon had a very, very short list. He had one thing on his list, just one thing that needed to happen before he was ready to die. Let's just read the passage. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 22. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him, that's Jesus, to Jerusalem to present him in the temple, present him to the Lord, as is written in the law of the Lord. Every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping what was said in the law of the Lord. A pair of doves or two young pigeons. Let's just stop there for a moment. Now, Mary and Joseph are being obedient to God. I mean, if you read the verse before this, they've had Jesus circumcised. They've named him before God. They're having him dedicated here and consecrated to God. They're being very obedient. Now, one other insight we gain from this is that Mary and Joseph must have been rather poor. In Leviticus chapter 12, the sacrifice that was to be given was to be a lamb and a pigeon. But there was an uh, 
out for people that were very poor and that they could just bring two pigeons or they could just bring two doves. And so we know this about Jesus. He was born into a poor family. And yet not only were they poor, they were very obedient to God and they're wanting to do everything that God required. Now look what happened. Now we meet our songwriter. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. I love the description of him. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Now that's not like the consolation prize. You know what I'm saying? You don't want to get that. The word consolation here means the comforter, the helper, the one that would come to the rescue. He's been waiting for that. And the Holy Spirit, when you love God, describe you this way. The Holy Spirit was on him and it had revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Can you imagine this old man? He's been waiting for years and years and years. He, he, he's not going to die until he's seen the Messiah. But the wait seems awfully long. And every time a young couple walks up to the temple with a baby, Simeon has got to be thinking, could this be the one? Is this the Messiah? Is this the chosen child? And yet on and on, it doesn't seem to happen. Then look at verse 27. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God. Now, I don't know how this happens. Does he just, does he just walk up to him? Does he grab the baby? What are Mary and Joseph thinking right at the moment when they're, they're going to the temple to fulfill the requirements of the law and this older guy comes up and wants to hold their baby? It doesn't take them long to figure out what's going on. Listen to Simeon's song. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and a glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child, listen closely to this. This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against. So the thoughts of many heart will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Let me just give you a preview of where we're going today. First of all, we're going to just simply look at the mood of the music. Quite a contrast here. Then we're going to look at some of the lessons from the lyrics. And then we're going to look at the concert hall where the praises of God are sung. Let's talk about the mood of the music. You can see it in two pictures. On one side, you have, you know, the jubilation of the birth of Jesus in that major. On the other side, you have even a foreknowledge of the cross. And this song is full of both jubilation and agony. It's just like the first Christmas. At the first Christmas, you have the the choir of angels singing. What a celebration. But we also have that awful, terrible moment where Herod destroys the lives of every little boy under two years old. I think about the people in Newtown, Connecticut this morning. 
I think about our nation today. I don't think the Christmas of 2012 will ever be remembered without thinking about these little kindergarten children that were needlessly murdered in their own classroom. And the birth of Jesus is full of incredible joy and incredible agony. And here in Simeon's song, Simeon says to Mary, his mother, that's the way it's going to be. He says at the end there, a sword will pierce your soul too. What's he saying? Mary, this is an awesome deal you've been chosen for. And this is the Messiah that everyone's celebrating. But there's going to be some bad things that are going to happen. He will also die for his people. And so when Mary stands beside the cross, she doesn't forget Simeon's song. When she sees the sword thrust in Jesus' side, she also feels the sword thrust in her heart. I like the way the author John MacArthur says it as he looks at this scene. There's a side to Christmas story that we don't often tell. Those soft little hands fashioned by the Holy Spirit in Mary's womb were made so that nails would be driven through them. Those baby feet, pink and unable to walk, would one day walk up a dusty hill to be nailed to a cross. That sweet little infant's head, sparkling eyes, and eager mouth were formed, that so one day men would form a crown of thorns and put it unto it. This tender body, warm and soft, wrapped in swaddling clothes, would one day be ripped open by a spear. Never forget what even Simeon knew. Jesus was born to die. So the music has two distinct moods. What are some of the lessons we can learn from these lyrics? There's really a lot of things to learn. Number one, you need to be in the right place to hear from God. What we've got to say about Simeon is this man was sensitive to the voice of God. Actually, his name Simeon literally means he who hears. And Simeon through the years had put himself in a position to listen to God, for the Holy Spirit to be upon him, for him to be sensitive to the leading of God. He was at the right place. And we got to say the same thing about Joseph and Mary. I mean, here are this young couple who've been born this child with all the rumors about Mary you know, in her pregnancy and the embarrassment of being pregnant out of wedlock and nobody really believing the crazy story that was the Holy Spirit. In the midst of this, they're still obedient. They still show up at the temple. They're at the right place. And listen to me. If you want to hear from God, you've got to consistently show up at the right place. You need to show up in the word of God. You need to show up in Bible classes where you learn about God. You need to show up in worship services where you experience God. You need to show up in the morning in your quiet time to be in the presence of God. That's one great lesson here. Number two, you don't have to be in a perfect place to hear from God. Listen, we know from Jesus' ministry that the temple was a shell of what it once had been. That in many ways, the house of God had become a joke. This little baby would grow up one day to walk back into that temple and to take a whip and run the people out and throw the tables over. It was not a perfect place. And yet, 
Simeon showed up there. Mary showed up there. Joseph showed up there. See, here's, here's something's going on in our day. We live in such a hypercritical age that we think if things are not done perfectly, if they're not done the way I think they ought to be done, that I'm not going to show up. If church is not everything I think it should be, well, I'm just going to show up with my critic's eyes. Listen, let me tell you this. What you need to do, despite the imperfection of everybody sitting in this room, despite the imperfection of the church never being exactly what it ought to be, and you never being exactly who you ought to be, you need to show up consistently to listen to God. But you say, well, you know, some Sundays I go to church, it just doesn't touch me. Some days I walk in Bible class, I don't get anything out of it. So you're going to quit? Now, here's what you do. You think every time Simeon went to the temple was a great experience? I think for years it had been a pretty poor experience. I mean, he's waiting on seeing the Messiah. And he shows up day after day after day and nothing happened. But he keeps showing up and he's blessed to meet the Son of God. Number three, don't give up. Simeon is waiting That's the most difficult position that God puts us in. When God has promised one thing and it's not come to fulfillment. When you prayed one way and God's not answered your prayer. When you feel like God has put you on hold. The dreams you have, even the godly dreams like Simeon had, just don't happen on your timing. What I love about this old man is he just keeps on, keeps on, keeps on, keeps on showing up. Where are you waiting today? You know, it, it, you know, I know as a kid growing up, one of the most frustrating things of Christmas was waiting on Christmas morning. You know it? Or, or, or we had one set of relatives, my dad's parents, where we would go to have Christmas with them. And the tradition was always we would eat a meal and then we would open the gifts. But here was the bad part of the tradition. The kitchen had to be completely clean. Anybody had a family like that? Stinks, doesn't it? The kitchen had to be completely clean before you could open the gift. And that seemed like eternity to me. All right? We, we, we're in positions to wait. And guys, I don't know where you're waiting right now. And it may, though it may only have been a couple months you've been praying it, or maybe in a decade you've been in this position. Keep on waiting. Because here's what I like about Simeon. In the middle of waiting, Simeon is faithful. Number four, Jesus is both deliverer and divider. You need to understand this about Jesus. He is the savior. He's the deliverer, but he's also the divider. He's the salvation. Now what Simeon puts in his prayer that probably didn't get your attention, but would have shocked the people at the temple if they overheard it, is Simeon said that he is going to be the savior of all the people. He even mentions the Gentiles. That's us. So right from the beginning, Simeon knows that Jesus is for everybody. He's the Savior. He's the Savior for you. There's not a person in this room that's beyond the grace of God if you'll receive Jesus into your life. But you need to also understand this. He is also the divider. Simeon says this little baby that you're looking at, so sweet, so cute, so cuddly, will cause the rising and falling of many. He will be a sign spoken against. Listen to me. Jesus has always been controversial. We think, well, what, what's so controversial about Jesus? He's so sweet. He's so kind. He's so compassionate. He wouldn't hurt anybody, you know. I mean, he's the sweetest man that ever lived. You know what's so controversial about Jesus? It's his claims. 
Does you, you don't want to go on TV today unless you want to be made fun of and say, I believe John 14, verse 6. What's that? Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through him. What's she saying? I'm the only way. Now listen, even in our day, or probably even more so in our day, he still is the divider. Do you know at a public event how controversial it is today in America to simply pray a prayer and close it in Jesus' name, amen? Anybody watch Duck Dynasty? You like that? Do you realize that all the guys on there are elders and ministers at the White's Ferry Road Church of Christ? I've met these are incredible people. And you see the wholesomeness of the show. But have you noticed that, and I've talked to some of them, that their prayer is almost always cut off before they say, in Jesus' name, amen. The other night I actually saw, it was sad. But if you'll watch it, and that's because that's controversial. Because when you pray in Jesus' name, amen, what you're saying is, he is the way. That's the connection to God. And we live in a day that is so pluralistic that we don't want to believe that anybody could be wrong about anything that we don't want to hear even our TV. Somebody's a believer in Jesus, pray in Jesus' name, amen. Now listen to me. In our culture, the more our beliefs on issues like living together outside of marriage, abortion, and gay marriage, the more our positions, my friends, are not in the mainstream of American life. And let me go and tell you, if you haven't been watching lately, they're not in the mainstream anymore. The more Jesus Christ is going to be a divider in our culture today. This baby still causes the rising and falling of people. He's that controversial. And listen, let's don't just talk about our country. Let's talk about our own life. In your life, he will either be the rock that you build the foundation of a holy life on, or he will be the rock that will one day crush you. Did you hear me? This baby will cause the rising and falling of many. And one more thing here. If you get it, though, when you sing, others will join. Look, look what happens. Look what happens. Another person walks up in the middle of this. I love this, verse 36. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Peniel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage. And then was a widow until she was 84. That's an old person in that day especially. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying, coming up to them. In the middle of this scene was Simeon. At that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Listen, my friends, it's Senior Saints Day at the temple. And my friends, do they have a worship service? Between Simeon and Anna, God is praised. And let me tell you, when you fall in love with Jesus and he becomes your deliverer, when you begin to sing, you're going to impact somebody else. That's what excites me about these young men over here who've committed their life to Jesus. And all the folks we've seen on the screen, you know, the most influential people on someone else is a young Christian. Because when, when people see your changed life, they start thinking, well, maybe Jesus is for real. And maybe in my life could be changed. Well, let's close out with one more thing here, guys. Let's look at the concert hall. This, to me, is the most significant part of this story. 
This all happens in the temple. Now, we got to understand how important the temple is. If you look at a Jewish map at ancient times, the temple is always the center of the map. It's bigger than anything else. Why? Because the temple was the holiest place on earth. The temple was the place where God began his Occupy the Earth movement. The temple was this little bitty place, this toehold on the earth where God lived. And so the temple was everything. The temple was the place where heaven and earth would meet. It's the place where you go to get hope that something could be different and that God might even one day intervene in your life. That was the concert hall where the song was sung. But then here's the cool thing about this story. The concert hall shifts from the temple to Jesus. You see, Mary and Joseph thought that they were going to the house of God. Little did they know God was coming to their house. And so this little toehold in one place begins to expand. The Occupy movement begins to expand. And so now God is not simply in the temple. God is now existing in Jesus. And everywhere he goes, that is the temple of God. That is where the Holy Spirit will be. Now listen, Jesus had an incredibly dramatic relationship with the temple. It's his position on the temple that would get him killed. Listen to some of the things Jesus said about the temple. Matthew chapter 12. I tell you, one greater than the temple is here. What's he saying? Temple doesn't compare to me. The the temple was only there to point today when God would walk this earth. Listen to Matthew chapter 26. I am able to destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. My friends, that's when people got hopping mad at Jesus and wanted to kill him. What's Jesus saying? The temple has been moved. It's no longer about this building. It's about this person. I am the temple is what Jesus says. So Mary and Joseph, they go to the house of God. But the coolest thing happens. God moves into their house. And everywhere Jesus goes, it's the incarnation. The incarnation is about heaven invading earth. It's about God having more than just one little place on the earth where he invades. The invasion spreads as Jesus walks across the earth. Now, here's the really, really cool thing. The temple movement is then to move from the building to Jesus to guess who? To you and me. You you see, before Jesus leaves this earth, Jesus says to his disciples, I'm going, guys, but you're going to be way better off. Now, Simeon was the exception to the rule, a man full of the Holy Spirit. Among God's people today, there should be no exception to that rule. We are all full of the Holy Spirit. And so now the temple has moved from a building to one locale, wherever Jesus goes, to now us. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 says, you yourselves, speaking of the church, are the temple of God. 1 Corinthians 6, challenging us to live holy lives. Paul says, your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Listen to me. The invasion is only complete when the Holy Spirit moves into you. 
Listen to me. God's ideal is that your body, your life is the holiest place on earth. That you are where heaven invades earth. And so everywhere you go, everywhere I go, God goes. Every door you open, God walks in with you. Every room you go into, he's present. Every place you go, there ought to be more joy. There ought to be more forgiveness. There ought to be more life. There ought to be more peace. Why? Because you are the representative of God. God no longer just has one little toehold on the earth. Not even just Jesus walking. The Occupy the earth movement has spread to every one of us who call upon the name of Jesus. We are the place today, my friends, where God is invading the earth. Isn't that cool? Any of you guys watch House Hunters International? Whenever that show goes, comes on, my wife is filled with exceeding joy. I mean, she just thinks that's the greatest show. You, you watch, it's about people that search the globe looking for a house. And so they, they go somewhere international and they go to a city and they go and they, they look for a house. And it, and it boils down to three choices. Okay? So they look at three different houses. And you know how the end of the show goes. I've watched it more times than I want to. But you know how it goes. At the end of the show, you know, it comes down to the choice of the three. And it just begins to have a, you know, just a loop of showing there's music in the background. House number one, house number two, house number three. And finally, it all boils down to those last couple moments when the couple chooses their house. And then you see them at the end of the show. They've moved into the house and you see what it's like. Guys, listen, that's our story today. The loop is playing. Where's God going to live? Is he going to live in the temple? Is he just going to live in Jesus? Or is he going to live in us? And the final choice of God after the loop has been played is he has chosen to live in us. We are where heaven meets earth. Can I ask you this? Is your life reflecting that? Do people get a taste of God and a taste of heaven because they encounter you? How different are you than the people you work with? How different are you than the other folks in your neighborhood? How different are you than the people you go to school with? Do they taste heaven in your life? Can I ask you then as we conclude about your bucket list? What's a bucket list about? It's simply trying to maximize every moment in your life. It's saying, you know what? I don't know how much longer I've got, but here's a dozen things or a hundred things that I'd like to to see, accomplish, be a part of before I go. I want to live my life to the fullest. Now, let me ask you the question that rings from Simeon's song. What is the one thing that you have to do before you die? If you could boil your bucket list down to one thing, would it be the same thing that was on Simeon's mind? Because let me me end with this point. You are not ready to die until you have received Jesus. That's what Simeon believed. I don't want to go until I have held that baby in my hands. And let me say to you, I don't care what you accomplish. I don't care if you go skydiving. I don't care if you're able to visit Paris or Rome or wherever you're dreaming about. I don't care if you're able to build the house you want or drive the car you want or have as many clothes as you, you, you can have. If, if you don't receive Jesus, you are not ready to die. 
I love what Simeon says. As soon as he holds that baby in his arms, he says to God, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. You know know what the word dismiss there means in the Greek? It literally means to untie a ship and let it sail. And Simeon's saying, now that I've held the baby Jesus, now that I've received Jesus, I'm ready to sail. I'm ready to be dismissed. I'm ready to be dismissed in peace. My friends, listen to me. Maybe the reason you don't have peace, even in this time of the year, is because you've not received Jesus. Or maybe you received him at one point in your life and you have forgotten him. I ask you this morning, do you want to come to him? Because listen to me, you're not ready to die until you've received Jesus. Maybe in your life you've been waiting on something like Simeon. You've been waiting a long time in the middle of the wait. Unlike Simeon, you've you've become unfaithful. I mean, you've just been worn down by it. Could you learn from this remote person in the Bible? Could you learn from this song that even when you're waiting... Even when things aren't the way they ought to be, even when the temple of the church is not perfect, even when your life is not all in order, you can be faithful. In God's time, it may not be yours, but one day you will be blessed and you'll receive. And until that day, why don't you and I just be the outpost of God on this earth? the representative God. This morning, if you need to receive Jesus into your life, if you need to rededicate your life to him, if you need the prayers of this church because you're in a bad waiting place and you're not handling it real well like Simeon, why don't you come right now while we stand and sing?